Ah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jacked and Canned. So we talked on the sports roundtable about the divisional round of the NFL weekend. We are now here on the Jacked and Canned show going to talk about the upcoming weekend championship weekend, John. How do we feel about that? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. I am sad, just like we talked about in the sports roundtable episode, that it doesn't include the Dallas Cowboys. But, folks, I'm happy to say that now I am pulling for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then my second team that I'm pulling for has got to be, it's got to be, well, I tell you who it's not going to be, the Eagles. So it's got to be San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> And third enough, is John. probably the Chiefs, but it hurts my soul to say that because I do like Patrick Mahomes and what they do over there is very special, but they always win. So I want somebody different to win. That's how I am. Keep in mind, John, Patrick Mahomes still only has one Super Bowl. I know, but he still won one Super Bowl. So time for somebody else to win one Super Bowl. <laughs> well, tell that to everybody that couldn't win one in the AFC while Brady was there. Oh man, that was a horrible time for them to be in that hole. Oh, cold. Come on, man. I, I think if you actually look at it, I think it was only Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, and Manning that won over there over the course of like 20 years. That is such a good point because I, I can't even really think of any other relevant. No, I don't. I legitimately, I think. No, I think that was the thing. I think from like t- like 2000 to 2020, those were the only three AFC quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. Oh, anyhow, looking right, ahead John. at this next week, leading up to the Super Bowl, Colbs, are you going to give us like some predictions here and who's going to win? Have you looked at the Vegas lines yet? Do you know who you're going to put your money on? I know you don't like betting playoffs, but dude, come on. You got to. It's Cincy. Aren't you confident in them? <laughs> so he, let me start with that. I actually did bet Cincy last week because that was the oh. only game in the playoffs I felt good about. So I did put the money on Cincinnati this last week. That was the only game so far I bet these playoffs. And right. that will continue to stay the case. So we we look at the NFC matchup first we have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly John I hear that you have a clear rooting interest for San Francisco oh, what yeah. I will tell you is that I don't feel one way or another strong enough about this the line by the way is Philly by two and a half Ooh, um, wow yeah it's a close line and I wouldn't touch this one with a 10-foot pole Here's here's a couple things to to keep in mind as we start to try to break this game down to the best extent that we can. Brock Purdy did have a little bit of time getting comfortable last week, and I don't think it's going to necessarily get easier for him against Philadelphia. I don't think you have to. I mean, you have clearly no Micah Parsons to worry about. There's not anybody right. that good on the Philly line. But like I just told you in the roundtable, they have guy after guy after guy. They're going to constantly be putting some type of pressure on him, and. They have, I believe, a better secondary than Dallas does. So the openings aren't going to be quite as readily available. Your big matchup problem is probably going to be, once again, George Kittle being just randomly open in weird places where he'll probably be able to be your guy on like third and seven that you have a shot at making something work. But I think for the most part, the 
the rest of the game, it's going to just be little bits and chunks, kind of the way it was against Dallas. But I do think it'll be a higher scoring game in general as well. Um, The other piece of this is from the other side of the ball. Philadelphia, I do believe, is going to move the ball better than Dallas did. And this comes from a mixture of that their run offense, even though I like Dallas's run game a lot, Philadelphia does it stylistically significantly different in a way where you're always guessing which guy actually has the ball. So, and not guessing, I mean, there is strategy to it, but I do think it's going to leave Philly in a little bit more, or uh, San Francisco rather, in a little bit more of a place of, oh shit, where do we go to do something about this? Who is it that we have to cap off on here? And you're not always going to know. So I think Philadelphia has a huge advantage in trying to move the ball in their run game versus what Dallas did just specifically from the way that their run systems work. Even though in a lot of ways, I prefer Dallas's run game to Philadelphia's. It's just the way that they do it, especially considering how often the quarterback's involved. But the other piece of this too is I, I mean, I I've seen Jalen Hurts look like one of the best quarterbacks in football this year when he does get to air the ball out. And granted, San Francisco has a phenomenal pass rush specifically. I mean, their run defense isn't anything like their pass defense is as far as just getting to the quarterback. Technically, they have a better run defense than they do pass defense as far as numbers go by like yardage because they <laughs> I know going into the playoffs, they had the 21st ranked pass defense and the number one run defense. But I, I think they're, they're probably going to have a harder time against the run this week. And I think going into the passing game, Jalen Hurts going to have to make decisions quickly, but I think he's also capable of doing that. Now, conversely, when we look at the other end of this, Brock Purdy, like I just told you, I don't think he's going to necessarily be comfortable, but I don't think he's going to be, holy shit, holy shit, I got to do something right just now like he was against Dallas. And I do think that there are parts of the Eagles defense, particularly over the middle of the field, where he's going to be able to work a lot better than he was against Dallas. Yep. Yeah, because the Eagles don't have the linebacking core that that the Cowboys do. So I do think that he'll be able to find some spots here and there. And especially, like I told you, there's going to be certain downs where he's able to hit Kittle and there's just nothing you can do about it because Kittle outmatches anybody you have on your defense, especially. With oh, Billy. God, yeah. So I I think this game's going to be I, I would be shocked if this game's a blowout one way or another. But I do think that we're probably talking about a game that's more like a 23, 20, maybe even like a 27, 23. And uh-huh. if if you ask me who wins, I'd lean towards Philly, but I I don't feel that strong in it. I, I don't feel like I'm sitting here telling you Philadelphia is winning and this is why. I feel like I'm telling you I I trust Philly's offense more than I trust San Francisco's right now. And I think the defenses, even though San Francisco has the better defense, they they don't neutralize each other because San Fran's is better. But Philly's offense is better. So I think that we get to see essentially the same thing on both sides when it comes to the team's offense first defense. As far as who wins, I mean, I lean towards Philly, but this does not feel like something that's like it's absolutely Philly. And I honestly, I think all four of these teams, and I'll say this right here too, I think all four of these teams absolutely deserve to be in the Super Bowl. I, I don't have a problem with any team making yeah, it here. Usually, I feel strongly one way or another, this team should be the team that's there. I don't feel that this year. I, I honestly, 
I'm fine with any of the scenarios for any of these four teams matching up. It, it does not bother me in one way, shape, or form. I, it's I think guaranteed it's guaranteed to be, be an entertaining Super Bowl. Either yeah, way, no matter who gets is. in there. Well, that's that's why Saturday, the divisional round, was so important to me because I didn't want to see the Giants or the Jags trying to fuck things up. I'm like, you guys have to get out of here because I don't want to see you. Like, you you guys are garbage comparative to these other teams. Get the fuck out of here. Dallas, I would have been pissed if I still saw Dallas here. Uh, Dallas was just as deserving as far as I'm concerned. Buffalo, same deal. Uh, I legitimately think I was fine with any of the six of those teams being here and being in the Super Bowl. But here we are. These are the four teams that are left. And I, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, as we as we look at this, literally this first matchup, I'm sitting here staring at it right in the face. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do with this because I don't feel there's a consistency from either offense in a way that really is like, oh, yeah. And even though we've seen Philly's defense get shredded here and there, I don't think San Fran's got quite the ability to shred them. And if they're not shredding them, well, then Philly's probably just going to keep up and play par with them. And I, I think that that's all that they need to do because they have the offensive pieces to be able to make it work at the end. Despite what everybody says about San Francisco having all these offensive weapons, look, Debo's fine. I, I don't think he's an elite receiver by any means. I think he's a very good receiver. I, I don't think he's elite. Brandon Ayuk, I think it's a little bit overstated how good his year's been. Kittle's really been kind of in and out. I, I think he's going to be there to play this week. I don't think it's going to be an out week for him because I, I'm pretty confident that he turns it on come playoff time where he's had kind of a regular season of mediocrity by his own standard. But I, I think he's going to have it turned on for for the uh, for the championship round here. I, I don't think that San Francisco has all these guys that can do all these things in a way where it's going to be totally damaging to Philly, who's coming in there with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts as a weapon in of himself. They they obviously, as I told you in the roundtable, they bring out Byron Scott, who just out of nowhere, Boston Scott, who just out of nowhere <laughs> is like an effective running back. Uh, some oh, yeah. dude named Gainwell just gained very well last week against uh, yeah. uh, against the Giants. I, I don't think that the Eagles are lacking by any means as far as what their talent level is. So when I when I look at this game, I legitimately think to myself, this is this is going to be close, but I give the edge to Philly. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. John, what, what do you think of this game coming up here? Dude. From my point of view, I'm thinking that San Francisco is going to prove a statement here. I think Purdy's going to be a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. I think you're going to see some more tutty passes from him. And I think with that right there alone, if Brock Purdy starts to have a good game and he gets the passing underneath him, it opens up San Francisco for that dangerous run game that you didn't really see versus Dallas because the game was a little bit closer than they what they wanted it to be. And they couldn't really get the momentum on the ground or really in the air from San Francisco point of view. Yep. So you're going to see a little bit more CMC and you, they could actually get more creative with Debo. When they're creative with Debo, that's when they're a threat because those motions, you don't know who the hell's going to get the ball. So that's what I think you're going to see out of San Francisco. I think it's going to give them the edge. 
That's I just my opinion. Maybe from no, a disgruntled Cowboys fan, Cole's point of view, too, because I don't want the Eagles to win. So that's a, that's a set of question. You're asking the wrong person. Of course I'm going against the No, Eagles, no. Well, I, I wanted to know what you thought of the game. And, John, honestly, until that last point, I thought that you gave a lot of good takes about what you think in this game coming up. I legitimately do. I think that was good analysis. The, the one thing that I think is overstressed is what kind of mechanical weapon Debo Samuel is because I I really don't think of him as this incredible special talent that just oh my god he's phenomenal at everything I think he's just good at everything I don't think he's like this great runner of the football I don't think he's this great receiver of the football I think he's just good at everything I I really think it's overstated sometimes how effective he is because there's a lot of games where yeah, he makes like a play somewhere and then it's okay. The rest of the game, it was kind of just like, oh yeah, he was there. He, yeah. He caught 11 balls. He got like 86 yards. Like there, there's not always greatness from Debo Samuel as far as I'm concerned. So I, I don't think that he really adds that wrinkle in the same way that a lot of people do. I, I think it goes significantly overstated. So and that's not to shit on the guy. I, I think he's a very good talent. I just I don't think he's as great as a lot of people think that he is. But I I do appreciate your thoughts there, John. I, I do legitimately think that this is going to be a really tight game, and I'm excited to see the outcome. Uh, one way oh, or another, here. I'm still excited about whoever makes it out of that game. Now we move over to the Cincinnati Kansas City game, and John, oh. this one <laughs> this one tugs a little bit more at my heartstrings. But I will be honest with you as well. Here we go, baby. All right, here it is. Let me take a little sip of this real quick. Take a little sip. Take a little sip and recharge yourself here. It's your birthday. You're the birthday boy. That's a good point. It is my birthday. So, John, when we look at this game, I clearly think that that the Kansas City Chiefs have the best quarterback I've ever watched play football ever in Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Chad Henney. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) and because i feel that way about patrick mahomes i obviously love watching him play i've never seen anybody that can do as many things as he can do as well as he can do them to the level that he does them it's phenomenal every time i watch the guy i'm still like i i'm i become a child again i just sit there and i like get giddy i'm like oh my god he did that thing and (laughs) i don't get that with anybody else in the nfl and Mahomes does that for me because it is that kind of phenomenal with that high ankle sprain. You have to worry about what it is that he's going to be able to bring, because typically speaking, John, a high ankle sprain is like a four to six week injury. So he's going to play. That's already been confirmed. Well, for the most part, it hasn't been technically confirmed, but it's confirmed. Uh, they're obviously going to shoot him up the tour at all before the before the game gets started, so he's not going to feel much of that ankle. But you have to still wonder how much he's going to be able to do with that ankle. We look at the rest yeah. of that offense. I talked to you in the roundtable about this. Their receiving core, yes, they have one of the best, the absolute top three tight end, if not the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey. Outside of that, it's a lot of guys and they're none of them are bad, but none of them are. I'm not even sure if any of them are a number two. Uh, he's got a million number threes. <laughs> like he, he's, I mean, Sky Moore, I like his talent, but I don't know if he really is going to be anything. McCole Hardman has a ton of awesome shit 
but he also I don't feel like is somebody you have to worry about. Juju Smith-Schuster, talented, but I don't know that he's that great. Kadarius Tony, massively talented, but what is he? I don't know. Marquez Valdez Gantling. I mean, okay, he's a uh, he's really if any of them, he's just the guy that I'm like, oh yeah, he's there too. Uh, there, there's nobody in that receiving court that worries me. And even though I've appreciated that Mahomes has been able to lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns once again in his young NFL career by throwing to this misfit ragtag group of dudes. Yeah, I mean, it's been really cool to watch. But now that we're getting down to crunch time, I worry about what that means for him. I think he needs a number one guy at some point. I just don't know if he needs it this year. And that's the funny thing. Uh, this offensive line, I think, is improved from what it's been over the last couple of years. I do believe that at left tackle, uh, they, they've gotten a little bit stronger there, where in the past uh, they had guys, but they had to move along because of salary. And they finally got a young guy in there in uh, Orlando Brown who is solid. I'm not going to say he's a great LT, but he, he's he's good. Um, Defensively, I was telling you this in the roundtable, very underrated because people just assume the Chiefs have a shit defense. They have a very good pass rush. They have a very good corner and luxurious need. I I think that, I mean, you, you see this every year, Frank Clark, and I know this because when he went to Kansas City, where he had been before that was Seattle, when the Seahawks were in the playoffs every year, this dude turns it up when it comes playoff time. Frank Clark is a great playoff D lineman. I don't know where it comes from because throughout the year, you see him now and again. It's like, oh, hey, Frank. And then he kind of goes away. Playoffs come. Yep. This dude plays. Chris Jones, phenomenal DT. Maybe the best pass rushing DT in the NFL right now. Carlos Dunlap, also former Seahawk, granted not for very long. Mostly spent his time with Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati oddly enough. I, I think that they're going to be able to create pressure, especially once this or with this beat up Cincinnati offensive line. But again, we're going to talk about Cincinnati's offensive line here in a minute, too, and what I think of that. So I, I don't think the Kansas City really has a hole outside of the fact that they don't really have a number one wide out. Outside of that, I don't think there's a hole on this team. They've established a run game with Isaiah Pacheco, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon coming in there. By the way, Jarek McKinnon has become like maybe the the number one throwing target on this team too out of nowhere. So it's, it's totally random, but that's the way the Mahomes works. It's Mahomes magic, baby. So we moved to the other side of this. Joe Burrow, obviously, I mean, maybe the coolest guy in the NFL. And I would, I would say, I would say second best quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen has more talent. Joe Burrow uses what he has way better. Uh, I would take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen, despite the talent differential, because Josh Allen might even be more talented than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, like he's legitimately got that arm. But Joe Burrow is he he's one of the most accurate passers, if not the most accurate passer in the NFL. And on top of that, nothing phases the dude. And it's cool. Like in the past, I wasn't sure if I like Joe Burrow or not. But I figured it out somewhere along the course of last year on that playoff run. I was like, oh, no, shit. He's he's that guy. And now we're into this year and it's like, oh, shit. He's always that guy. 
like that wasn't a fluke thing last year. I thought it was to an extent. I didn't think it was a fluke fluke, but I thought that they just overachieved. No, they're that he's that guy, man. Like, oh, yeah. he's fucking terrifying. I don't want to be a defense playing against him. And oh, he comes in good, cocky, man. too. And I love that shit. I love a cocky quarterback. So he comes in there. He's the heel. He's the heel of the NFL. (laughs) I don't even know if I'd say that, man, because like he is a little bit too cool. But at the same time, (laughs) I don't know that he's necessarily a heel. I I think he. a good point. I think he's just a good dude. that's also too cool. So it's hard to root against him. And then you look at what they have. I mean. Yeah, I like what Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have been doing, but that's nothing compared to what Joe Mixon and Samaje P. Ryan have been able to do. Those guys are like an absolute monstrous beast. I talk about the lack of weapons that Mahomes has. Joe Burrow's got Jamar Chase. He's got T. Higgins. He's got Tyler Boyd. I mean, those are legitimate receivers. Any one of those receivers would be the number one guy in Kansas City. And that that right there is part of the problem for Kansas city. And then you look at that offensive line that I told you with it being hurt, Kansas city is going to get in there here and there, but Joe Burrow has one of the fastest releases of anybody in the NFL. His time from snap to throw is almost unlike anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And he has so much trust in his receivers, specifically with Jamar chase that even if it's something that's deep, he doesn't need to look at the defense sometimes. He just gives it a look over before he snaps the ball to read the coverage and just says, yeah, Jamar will win this and throws it up to him. And he just knows he's going to come down with it because, again, he's too fucking cool. See, and, they have the report from college as well, which is so freaking helpful. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. I think teams might start looking into doing that more often. Um, yes, if, I agree. If they draft the quarterback, they're also going to draft the number one targeted receiver because they already know. Yeah, I, that's not? what I'd do. I'd be like, fuck, keep that shit together. But I, um, I don't know why they haven't done that more over the past years, but that's besides the point. Cincinnati defensively, I don't think they have any one guy outside of maybe Trey Hendrickson that really makes you go, oh, wow, that guy. But their defense plays a very good cohesive unit. And so I think that both these teams will be able to move the ball on each other just fine. Although I don't think this is going to be like a 38, 35 game. I really think this is going to be like 27, 24. And when I look at this, I mean, you see all the offensive weapons and firepower. You think, Oh, it's Mahomes, It's burrow. It's going to be fucking scores. I, I don't see that. I, I really think it's going to be a game where the ball is moved a lot. Points are maybe a little bit harder to come by than, teams think that they are right and i really think your difference maker is mahomes ankle i want mahomes to go win a super bowl again more than anybody in this world outside of the kansas city missouri area and i it would be cool to see i just can't see it right now all all i'm picturing is Joe Burrow being able to get this job done last drive of the game, too cool for school, rides downfield on his fucking Harley and <laughs> kicks the uh, kicks the game winner himself. He tells McPherson to just like take a seat real quick. He comes out mm-hmm. kicking the game winning field goal. I, I lean towards Cincinnati in this one just because of the Patrick Mahomes high ankle sprain. Because I think if he's playing full full Patrick Mahomes. He's able to just make a couple of plays that nobody else can make that really turn this game around and make it to where Kansas City forcefully takes this game by Patrick Mahomes' own willpower. 
And I don't know that he has quite that magic in him this weekend. So I lean towards it being Cincinnati. Same here. I'm leaning for Cincinnati as well. They're going to get it done. They got the hot hand. It's Cincinnati's year. They couldn't complete it last season. This is going to be the year that they get it done. They have the weapons. They got Joe Cool. Even the snow couldn't cool down Joe Cool. So that just goes to tell you something right there. So he's unstoppable. I'm rooting for the Bengals. Number one team going into the Super Bowl. They got to get past this weekend here, which I think they're going to do. Goals. I see you sipping out of a cold one. Are you ready to crack a cold one? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cracking a Cold One with Kolbs. This is the segment where I drink beer while John tells the audience something he finds fun, interesting, or otherwise. John, what do you have for the audience tonight? So what I got for you is last night we ended up looking up for an early Kolbs pre-day birthday kind of party. All right. And on the ride down there, I kept on hearing this thing just banging underneath my car. I'm like, what the hell is it? A plastic shield. It's a heat shield underneath my car. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So today, I pull inside the Jiffy Lube, and they pull it off the car. So cold, something fun, interesting, or indifferent. I don't know how important a heat shield is to your car. Apparently, they could just take it off, and you could keep on driving without it. So what did I do? They asked me, hey, we could just rip it off and throw it away. I said, nah, it's all good. Just, uh, you know, I'll throw it in my trunk and, you know, see how we can get this damn thing back installed. Colbs, I don't know how. I find this kind of interesting. So this heat shield needed 10 screws. I only had two of them in there. Where the hell did the other eight screws go? That's what I find fun or interesting. Every time I've ever gone under the hood of a car. There's always less screws when I put it back together than there was when I took it apart. I, I don't <laughs> understand how that works. I uh, don't John, either. Cracking a cold one today with Kolbs is um, it is my birthday, and I am drinking a beer that expired in November of 2021. Oh, wow. Does it taste any different? Well, first, I Googled it to make sure it was going to be okay to do that I wouldn't get like sick from it. And it does say that with the alcohol in there there's pretty much nothing bad that can happen to it but it might taste funky and um no it it tastes like a coarse light i'm going to be honest it tastes just the same so expired beer good for the kids and here's what we're going to do as well ladies and gents if you haven't noticed this is a little bit of a shorter episode make sure that you check out the sports roundtable what we're going to do we're going to give colds back some time He's a Lakers fan right now because of LeBron. LeBron is on TV. What a better birthday gift to the man himself to go watch LeBron play before the damn game ends and you won't be able to see it on your birthday. So, ladies and gents, this is going to wrap us up. Unless, Cobes, you have any other thoughts? Uh, nope. It is currently 34 30. The Clippers over the Lakers right as of now, 37 30 Clippers just hit a three, but, um, yeah, I, I still got faith. The, uh, the Lakers did just make an addition who's not playing tonight, but they did. Uh, well, actually I think I told yeah, I told you this in the round table. Never mind. So we're going to give you back a birthday gift. Goals, go check out the game. Ladies and gents. Stay tuned. 
This has been another episode of the Jacked and Canned.